Well, it's certainly good to see all of you this morning as we gather together and come to worship our Lord. I love seeing your smiling faces. Some of you had to look up and smile, but that's okay. At least you did. You know, there's... <laughs> Thank you, Dwight. Uh, you do a good job behind this. I, was, I've, I really enjoy your singing. We need to pray for Aaron, too. Bless his heart. He just pushes, 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 and... Uh, when he gets when he calls it sick, there's a big hole <laughs> in everything. But uh, Pastor Joe just stepped up to the plate today. We appreciate it so much. It was very good. But you know, um, here's a here's a kind of you guys in the sound booth can kind of modify this title or get you know whatever. Uh, the idea is is I'm trying to preach a message today on living as stress free as possible. In other words, trying to eliminate as much stress as possible. Okay, unnecessary stress. Okay, I mean, here's just a practice. It's going to be a lot of practical stuff. Picking up from a message a couple weeks ago, I didn't actually get to finish totally. But just, you know, on the practical side, being late causes stress. Wouldn't you agree? Everyone say amen. You, I know you agree to that. Being late causes stress. And so since um, I spend a lot of my time trying to get someplace on time, um, I can personally say just a practical, and this is the way I've heard some of you men, we've talked about this. There are wives that I've been told feel like if they get someplace 15 minutes early, that's a total waste of time. Do y'all, I mean, are y'all with me? That, that if you get someplace early and you're sitting in a waiting room for 15 minutes waiting on your name to be called, that's a waste of time. See, I don't see that. I see that as chilling out. I see that as freedom. I see that as stress-free. I see when I'm driving someplace and I know I'm ahead of schedule, I really enjoy the ride a whole lot more. It's just so much more enjoyable when you don't have to think about the Indy 500. So just practically, just try to shoot for arriving a little earlier. And the husband and wife need to work out what that earlier means to both of you. But uh, boy, 15 minutes sure does, 15, 10 minutes. And it's just like you just sit down and you just, and a lot. And I've also found this. Sometimes when you're in a waiting room 15 minutes early, sometimes they get through or, and they even call you up. I mean, that, that's happened before. So that's just a, a practical little tip for somebody that battles tardiness. And, um, and it just, you know, I've, on, the, on my good days, when we do it all right, it's just a wonderful ride. But when, when we don't do it all right and we procrastinate or we stay up too late, 
you know, the night before. It just, it just, it just puts, it's added stress that I think is not necessary. So, and then we have access to so much news. Um, I mean, at our fingertips, there's so much available for us. I mean, how did I, how did I hear about that race car wreck? I mean, you know, it just, it, the headline um, is just available. So even guarding our minds with the bad news that's all around us, and there's plenty of bad news if you just start going down the list of all the things that, that are bad going on around the world, it can create, and I've heard people say they've actually had to take a fast from just news because they, they are so miserable. It's just making them miserable because, and, I, and I've been caught up in that myself a lot. Because I, I just, I'm fascinated by the things that are going on and I, I see these things. Well, I won't even say that. Uh, the Holy Spirit took over. Um, but um, there's a lot of bad news out there. And, we, and it, it, it needs to be governed and controlled. So if we're going to experience freedom... As much as possible from stress, there are just some very, really good practical things that we can do along with the message. And this was back to back, the message about not being anxious and Pastor Joe just, un, I mean, unfolded all the steps about, you know, and mine is about stress and, and his was all on the scriptures about uh, not being anxious and, and just controlling our minds and our thoughts. And it's just absolutely, the way it all dovetails is just wonderful. But there are, there are some practical things we, that we can do to eliminate some stress. I don't think all stress is ever going to be taken out of our lives. I just don't, I don't think that it'll all go. But um, uh, I do think there's some things, just practical things that we can do that uh, so the goal today is to cover some scriptural truths, some things that we can uh, do, apply scripturally uh, as we're facing these pressures of life and these different stresses and strains of life and just some ways from scripture, some things that we need to consider and think about. And basically, basically today it's like two points. It's just going to be basically two points if you have an outline going to be point number one and point number two, basically, with some meat on the bones in between. But um, the first one, and it has to do, again, I said, you know, the last time I, or several weeks ago when I was preaching, um, I, I was on this point, then I ended up ending it actually before uh, I was completely uh, through with it, and, um, but it, point number one is if we're going to avoid stress in our life, it really is going to involve how much we trust the Lord. So it's, it's really trusting the Lord. I, I think, and, it, and these are some thoughts that I've uh, come up with over time. Our felt 
level of stress can be determined by the extent we have chosen, and I've, I've, I've picked my words, you know, I've thought about this, the felt level of stress in our lives is to the extent that we have chosen to trust our Heavenly Father. In other words, more stress, and I want you to try it. I'm trying to go slow so we can get the picture here. More stress, less trust. Does that make sense? More stress, less trust. More trust, less stress. So it really has to do with how much we trust the Lord. I've chosen the word chosen, how much to the extent that we've chosen to trust our Heavenly Father, because I do believe that God, or I don't believe that God forces us to trust Him. I believe choosing to trust Him is a choice. It is the part of the free will of man. So trusting Him is an opportunity, but it is a choice that we make, and we make it daily and most days, many times during the day. Now we can choose to fret and wring our hands as we face life's trials. Or we can choose to trust Him. It doesn't mean the trial is going to disappear. But it has to do inwardly, emotionally, mentally. As we face the trial, we can fret or we can choose to trust Him with the outcome, whatever that ends up being. And then some of the verses that I was referring to last time was Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I mean, there, there is so much in that verse. Trust in the Lord with all that heart. I, I can't help but think going back, you know, think of Mrs. Jones. That was, she had a couple of verses that she always would quote, but this is one that she often referred to. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding and all thy ways and all your ways, all your heart and all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Now, there's some other verses that I'd like to read for you. Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord, and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed, trusting in the Lord. 
Psalm 37, 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Really and truly, there is so much in the Word of God that puts the responsibility for each of us to trust our Heavenly Father. You trusted Him from salvation. You trusted Him for the finished work of Calvary uh, and Jesus dying and shedding His blood and sacrificing His life and, and being raised from the dead. So you trusted Him for salvation. So now you have to learn to trust Him for our daily bread and our daily opportunities. Psalm 118.8 It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Proverbs 3.5 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We can't wear it out. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding. Some more. Psalm 32.10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Psalm 34.22, the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Some folks are concerned about their future. Future of America. Future of the economy. Future of our safety. And those are all real concerns that all of us are looking to but we have to trust in the Lord. And the scripture said, and we shall be safe. And this is another one that Mrs. Jones loved to quote, was Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Keep, see, we're talking about stress, avoiding stress. For thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind whose mind, your thinking, where your thoughts are, your mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. See, it's really about where your mind is taking you. Where are you going? What are you dwelling on? What are your thoughts? Any kind of thought that would be a thought of fear, a thought of um, something coming that would be... Uh, just catastrophic in your life. You, you really need to deal with taking captive those thoughts. Because, listen, we, we all, we're so human. We all have these fears and concerns. One of the greatest fears for a parent is that you'll get a call one day that the child, your child's been killed in an automobile accident. And every time your child leaves out of the house, you, you are concerned. Will they come home? Will they come back? And you're concerned about that. But you see, when you start worrying and you start being fearful that it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen today, you really need to deal with that in your mind. 
and take captive and go back to trusting the Lord. And, and the scripture, I'm just confident that this word is true. I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be proclaiming this if I didn't believe that if we, we believe this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. God's going to keep us safe. God's going to give us perfect peace when our minds are locked in. Locked in on the word of God. On what God is saying to us. And on the person of God, our Heavenly Father, the Creator. Just read some scriptures about His creation and all the Almighty God, all that He is. And then do something simple. Go out, you know, I'm not sure in the city lights that you can see the stars. Kind of like we get to enjoy, but I'm telling you what. You step out and you see that. It's incredible. It's incredible. Just this week, Linda and I were on the golf cart. It was just about dusk. The sun was going down. The, uh, we had the uh, western sky. It was ablaze. It was orange. It was gorgeous. And that big moon was coming up. And we're out there in the wide open spaces. That moon coming and it started. We just were just together. And uh, it started getting darker and darker and darker and she said look there's a star and it's bright and flickering and then it got darker and darker there's there look there's another one and she said the stars are always there and I said isn't it amazing the darker the night the brighter the light the darker the night the brighter the light folks I'm going to tell you let your mind, let your mind, when, you, when you're spiraling downward and you're having these thoughts that are all bad, negative, and things going on in your heart, and, and you're saying you're worried, and I just don't know what we're going to do, you know, just let, let somehow the Holy Spirit take control of your thought life and take it right back to the Lord. And I love what Dale said this morning, and in a hundred years, I'm going to be with the Lord. You need to have that mindset looking forward, looking forward. I mean, how, throw me in that briar patch. What can you do to me? If I die, I go to be with my father. I mean, it, it's not if, it's when, but. So think about his power. Think about his love for us that's so powerful think about his protection how many times oh i can't wait i hope that we have a rehearsal of all the times that god protected us when we didn't even know he was protecting us can you imagine what that's going to be like just to belong to him through our faith in in his son the lord jesus and just concentrate and let your mind go there that he cares. God cares. My father cares for me more than any earthly father can possibly care for his children. So whatever happens, and there are some bad things that happen, 
You all understand, and you've all been there, but you have to go back to certain basic things. If it happens in the life of the believer, you know God permitted it. Now, I've really kind of gotten past the point of trying to figure, you know, people will ask, they always ask the question, why? You know, I've gotten past, I guess after all these years, I've gotten a little wiser. I'm not going to try to answer why. You know, all I know is that God, my loving Father, has permitted it. He's permitted it, and He promises to work it out for our good. And let me just tell you this. Some, some are going through health issues. You know, like I mentioned earlier, 46 years in the ministry, full time. I've been in a lot of hospital waiting rooms. Downtown Houston, been with a lot of sick people, a lot of surgeries over time. I've found that many hospital waiting rooms are very fertile grounds for prayer and spirit, and listen to these words, spirit-led evangelism. Spirit-led evangelism I can remember times with Donard Gregg now that group that would meet during his surgeries we kind of had a reputation for being a little rowdy and we were called down more than once I mean in a nice way but you know could y'all keep the level of contain it a little bit and so we would but I don't know how many times in my time of going to hospitals and waiting rooms and being with people when we hold hands or when we stand in a circle to pray with the family how many times some stranger walks up and say tap you on the shoulder would you add my brother to your prayers or my father to your prayers or would you pray for me? We're going through a hard time with my family member. I mean, that's, that's happened several times. So these waiting rooms, we say, oh, I don't want to ever go there. Well, they're, they're really ripe for harvest. And, you know, it's amazing. You don't see near as many people praying in a restaurant today as you do in a hospital waiting room. You don't see people praying at baseball games like you do in a waiting room. And so, you know, if God takes you there, be spirit-led and allow Him to use you there. Trusting our Father, controlling our thoughts, letting Him direct my thoughts through His Spirit back to Himself, really help us as we face our difficult trials and situations in life. And, and in life. And then when the fiery darts come our way, uh, keep our minds on the Lord, on His Word, on His promises. And then you can also add prayer targets as these fiery darts are coming to your mind, these fearful things that come and these things that antagonize us. Use those as prayer target reminders and just start praying for some lost relative 
And we've experienced, Lynn and I have experienced, that the more you remember to do that, the less those fiery darts come your way. Does that make sense? I mean, if you, if you really utilize and say, oh, there, that, that, that came from Satan. Now I'm going to pray for so-and-so that they'll get saved. And you know what? He doesn't want you praying for them. Now, I do believe it's absolutely necessary that the church, that the church teach things like this, truths like this to people. Uh, I think they're very practical. I think it's, um, uh, it's a practical solution to unnecessary stress, just to, to just really trust the Lord. And, and God is able to show us through different things, trusting Him, it's really been, really been helpful. A second thing that God has shown us through the years, and I'm not going to, again, I, I keep saying I'm going to do it, but I've, I'm not going to get into all of the aspects of it, but the second thing today, trusting the Lord is first, but secondly, the thing that God has shown us to help relieve stress in our lives is to understand jurisdictions. Understanding jurisdictions. I personally believe if you can understand jurisdictions, it will help relieve <clears throat> some stress in your life. Now, again, I said, you know, I'm lot of years of experience, I've personally, we have personally experienced and observed individuals get caught up in so many things that are not, please hear me, please hear my heart, not in their jurisdiction. Okay, I'm trying to be slow and methodical. We've personally observed Individuals get caught up in things that are not their jurisdiction. And when that happens, it begins to create stress in their lives. And then as they communicate to others about something that is not in their jurisdiction it then begins to create stress in someone else's life. This is a common phrase that you hear today, but we have observed a lot of unnecessary drama. We have observed, personally, observed a lot of unnecessary drama. God has established jurisdictions. Each home has its jurisdiction. The husband is the head of the home, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So you've got one of the jurisdictions is the family unit with the father, and of course the mother right there, but the father being the head. So let me just say, as a grandparent, and I've communicated and had other things, people have mentioned things, 
for grandparents. There is a tremendous freedom and freedom from unnecessary stress when you stop getting worked up over things that are not in your jurisdiction. There can be areas of genuine concern. But my suggestion is make them a sincere matter of prayer. Make those a sincere matter of prayer. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm thinking of about grandparents and I'm thinking about couples raising children. Now, all of us have an opinion how to do that. But may I suggest to you, grandparents, you've had your opportunity. And I've also observed, and Linda and I have observed, unsolicited advice is not always helpful. Did anybody get that? I see a nod or two, but I'm just hoping that, that you know, like I said, I'm hoping that we can hear the heart of all of this. Unsolicited advice is not always helpful. It may, and we've seen this, it may often do more harm than good when we interfere in areas that do not belong to us. Now, 2 Peter 4.15, but let none of you, why don't you look that up? Let's, 1 Peter, let's look that up. I've got, I, just for the sake of time, it's just so much easier to have them written down and use the helps. 1 Peter 4.15, look at it with me if you have your Bible. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busy body in other men's matters. I really believe you can make a scriptural case for jurisdiction here. Being a busy body in other men's matters, that's their jurisdiction, it's not your jurisdiction. And we need to stay out of other people's jurisdictions and once you get it I'm going to tell you what enjoy the ride it's just so much more pleasant when you get your grimy paws out of other folks business it's just wonderful it's so freeing you can actually enjoy life if you stop meddling in something that doesn't belong to you. Now I want you to think, we're moving into this kind of midsection here of this part. I want you to look and think about the seriousness of what, what God, how God lines up busybodies and meddling how it's lumped together. 
I don't believe this is by any accident. I believe this is by design. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busy body in other men's matters. Then, if you will, turn back to Proverbs 6, Proverbs 6, if you will. Proverbs 6, I want you to see, because there's a correlation here. I think you can make a strong case for this. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. Now I want you to look. A proud look, pride. A proud look. A lying tongue, a liar. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. All kind of wickedness and evil going on in your heart. The worst kind As they say today, the dark side, the dark things going on inside of a person's heart. Feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren, and he that soweth discord among brethren. I don't believe it's any coincidence that God has put busybodies lined up, lumped together with murderers and sowing seeds of discord lined up with pride and shedding innocent blood and evil, wicked imaginations and sowing seeds of discord among the brethren. I... I, as I was preparing this and reading this, I just, I just don't know if words, it's going to have to be the Spirit of God convicting us of how God views these sins of sowing seeds of discord, crossing lines of jurisdiction that are not ours, do not belong to us, They're not our responsibility, but we're involving ourselves in stuff that is not ours to do. Murderers throughout history have been executed or imprisoned for a very long time, sometimes even life. I honestly believe if Christians understood how serious God, I'm trying to tell you, God views this as very, very evil, wicked sin in the body of Christ. This is, listen, 
just because it's always happened, just because you grew up in a family where it's always done, we need to recognize the view that God takes about this sin. And I don't believe God is snoozing at the wheel when we're talking about sowing seeds of discord among the brethren and meddling in other people's business that we have no business meddling in. It's not ours. And I just don't think God is going to wink at that. And I believe He's giving a firm, stern warning today for us to think about it. Believers need to repent. I mean, we're going to have an invitation. And it would be my expectation. Look, don't think about, well, what will people think? I may be the only one. Praise God if you're the only one. Because I'm going to tell you what, this is serious to God. And it needs to be nipped in the bud. We talk about things, we bring it up to others, we're pointing our fingers at others, and it may absolutely could be true, but just because it's true, it doesn't mean we have to say it. I heard that from a very wise man in our church one time. It may be very well true, but just because it's true, it doesn't mean you have to say it. Let, let me tell you something. You know, we've been here 35 years. My wife and I have heard some pretty bad things that have gone on in the congregation. Some of it you've told, some has been told in my office, some came to the surface, but we've, we've heard some things. To this date, as far as Lynn and I can remember, we don't ever, ever tell anybody the bad stuff about you people in the church. We just don't do it. We could. But we want our church to look good. We're proud of our church in the right sense. We love our church. And I really don't want somebody to think bad of our church. But I want you to think about as you spread the rumors and you do your talking. What does that make our church look like to the lost that are on their way to eternity in hell? And they don't understand. They don't understand the things that you're even talking about. I don't want to be the one to put that stumbling block in front of a lost person. He would say, well, I was almost going to receive Christ, but I heard that going on and I just, I, I turned my back. I don't want to be that one. There's certain things that are just not our responsibility. And it does generate a lot of stress in our lives. The stress of others. Create stress in other people's lives. 
If it is a concern, then I challenge you to please go to our Heavenly Father. You know what? He is big enough to bring conviction and big enough to make changes in other people. We've seen it. He can handle it. He's up to the task. Take it to Him. Take it to Him. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring conviction. It's not mine. And I chose this next statement very purposefully. We have a tendency to spiritualize. We have a tendency to spiritualize our own sin. Because if we're meddling in other people's business and if we're sowing seeds of discord, then we've got to justify why we're doing it and we're spiritualizing it. Do you all get what I'm saying? We're putting a self-righteous spin on it, as they would say in politics. You're putting a spin on it to make it look like you're not sinning because you're doing it for the sake of righteousness. But you're still sowing seeds of discord. When we gossip, we're busybodies, and other men's matters, we're sowing seeds of discord. In the name of righteousness, these things are not our business or our responsibility. I would bring it to God, I would take it to Him, and I, would, I will tell you this, if you spend as much time talking to God about something as you do talking to others and emailing others about stuff, you'd probably see a whole lot more happening. I'll say it again, if you spent more time talking to God about these issues, instead of emailing, texting, and talking, you probably see a lot more results. I would suggest Christians need to do more praying and less talking. You've heard of the flesh-eating bacteria that people get when they jump in a pond or a river or something, you get that flesh-eating bacteria? That's what some Christians remind me of. And I just have to ask myself, what is there that's attractive about the church today in America that's going to attract people to Christ? Certainly, they've got to see past the libraries that they have, the bowling alleys, the coffee shops. They've got to be able to see past that, and they need to see some genuine Christianity, as Pastor Joe was referring to this morning during Sunday school. They need to see some genuine Christianity. So I would hope that lost people would see North Belt and would see a church that has some genuine believers that are sincere about their faith and they would be attracted to Christ. They would want to come to Christ. They'd be drawn to Christ. And they would not be deterred from Christ. So this is serious I believe it's serious like murder, and I think it's serious like lying and stealing and, and having wicked 
imaginations. So I would encourage, as we kind of wind it down, I would encourage all of us to examine ourselves and see if we participated a bit a part of anything like what's been mentioned here. We need to repent from crossing jurisdictional lines. You just need to recognize, I've, I've done it. I've been guilty. That was not my area. That was somebody else's area. I, I did it. I've crossed those lines and I've tried to take Take responsibility for something that's not my responsibility. Now let me just kind of say this in closing. I believe our judgmental attitude exposes several things about ourselves. Our judgment, our judgmental attitude exposes some things about us. It exposes my own self-righteousness and I begin acting like a Pharisee. I believe it exposes very clearly my lack of self-control because my tongue is not under the Spirit's control. So it exposes my lack of self-control. And it exposes the fact that I like to elevate myself above others because I'm constantly comparing myself to others. Well, I don't have that in my life, but they do. That judgmental attitude exposes many things about the individual who is judgmental. So if Jesus was riding in the sand and you're all looking over his shoulder... I wonder which one of us could cast the first stone. I believe if Jesus was here today, and he is in spirit, but I, I just believe he would be saying, turn back to me and repent. Stop this carnality. Turn back to me. The invitation is going to be given. And this is all of our opportunity to draw that squiggly line, stop it in its tracks, confess it for what it is, and say, God, I'm going to start from here. I'm going to start from here, and I'm going to enjoy the ride in a stress-free environment as much as possible. Just beginning with understanding jurisdiction and trusting the Lord with all of my heart. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you for the clarity in Scripture. We pray that you would just show us more of yourself. Help us to trust you more. Help us to uh, not lean on our own understanding because it'll go so wrong. I pray today there would be a great outpouring of humility and brokenness over sin. Help us, Father to respond to you, not to me, not to any person, but we would respond to you. We trust you now to accomplish your will and your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. All right, let's stand together and we will sing our hymn of invitation. <clears throat>